Welcome to episode two of the Startup REI podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. This podcast is teaching uh, startup real estate investors, not just investing, but all other aspects of real estate investing, uh, including contracting, uh, insurance, um, sales, personal finance. This is a great show. Uh, this time around, we are interviewing Mr. Kevin Miller, who is an ex-software salesman turned investor. Well, he was an investor almost his entire life. But now that he's retired, he's taking investing full time. And in this episode, you are going to be, uh, you know, you're going to be learning about the the importance of relationship building and all the, you know, time and effort that it takes to, uh, you know, establish those relationships, because that's what this industry is all about. And he's going to be talking about out of state investing. And there's going to be a lot of great nuggets in this show. So again, thank you so much for joining, you know, like, comment, subscribe. Criticism is highly welcome since this is a brand new show. And yeah, let's get this show on the road. Thanks. Everybody, thank you so much for joining. Welcome to the second special edition uh, meetup, also our second episode of the Startup REI podcast. Super excited to have everybody here. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you, Josh, for organizing everything and setting all this up. As You're a welcome. matter of fact, my, my co-host, Josh, and and our uh, great, lovely guest, Kevin, who's been with us in the meetups for... My wife's lovely. I'm just handsome. <laughs> Accurate. <laughs> <laughs> Handsome, handsome. You're rugged. We'll go rugged. Rugged yeah. with the, with that new beard. Um, he's been with us since the very beginning of the of the meetups, constantly coming, sharing his wealth of knowledge. Which we decided to turn this into a podcast and have everybody uh, be able to experience that same knowledge together and record it. So this will be recorded. We will, of course, you know, set it on a podcast. It's going to be on YouTube. It'll be on our thing once we actually launch. But we've done a few episodes already. Um, our introduction, first episode, second episode. We'll, we're going to do a few episodes and then we're going to get it, you know, out there. So again, thanks yeah. everybody. We kind of want uh, to get like a backlog of episodes before we start releasing it. So we're not releasing like one and then three months later, another one and then three days and then three months. We're kind of getting a good consistency at the beginning so we can kind of release them in a good order to kind of keep people, you know, forward. coming back for more. It's a consistency thing. That's that's what we're going for. So it, it, it's also Kevin is one of our earlier ones that's going to be on the backlog until we get it going, but he's going to definitely be out there. Yeah. I, after this, we're going to let's do like every week or something. We'll figure it out. <laughs> your your Stonehenge, your Oi. Stonehenge is falling Oi. apart. Oi. Um, oh well. With that, the said, facade is broken. <laughs> with that said, um, yeah, let's get started. So, Kevin, uh, thank you for doing this. Why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself uh, to our audience? Sure. I'm Kevin Miller. I live in Simi Valley. Married to a wonderful wife. She's here on the call. Um, 30 years this year. Um, I'm 60. I will be 60. I am 60 years old. I'm turning 61 this year. Um, so I'll give you just a brief highlights. I grew up in Van Nuys. Um, I have one brother. He's seven and a half years younger. So I was raised like a single, single kid, basically most of the time. And, uh, 
got work ethic pretty early at 13. I wanted to be able to get into the local swim school for free because my parents wouldn't pay for it all the time. They said, well, if you want to come and clean out the bathrooms, you can do it. So I did. And that gave me free entrance. And then later that summer, they said they taught me how to clean the pools and I ended up having a job. So I okay. cleaned two pools, scrubbed out the bathrooms, and that turned into junior high school and high school. Uh, I learned how to teach swimming. I did lifeguarding. I did all that. And I was able to work in three and a half months and make as much money as all my other friends did working all year long. So I didn't have to work during the school year. I just worked during the summer and, you know, being a lifeguard and teaching swimming isn't that hard, but that's where I got the, the work ethic. I started there and I spent the first, uh, about 10 years of my life, uh, working in management in hotels and restaurants. I opened up a small and then a very large hotel as part of the beginning team. And then I also opened up a good sized restaurant. So I was part of, uh, learned how to do a lot of problem solving and working many different situations all at once. That situation uh, didn't work out the way I wanted it to. Some things changed. But while that was going on, uh, I had in the back of my mind, and this wasn't from my parents or anybody else, it was just in my situation. At 21, I bought a second, I was living in a condo and I bought a second condo and was so excited because it cash flowed $60 a month. <laughs> which, hey, that was great in, you know, 1982 <laughs> was where it was. But uh, that was, I was, and I hawked everything and, and then borrowed money from other people to get that done. And I can't tell you right now, I don't have the, what the actual impetus to that was, other than I knew if I was going to make it, I had to do something of my own. And the opportunity was there and, and I did it. Now, this uh, isn't. Sorry, this isn't that property that you bought in, um, where is that south from here? It's in Beach, I think. Was that right? No, no, it's a different different property. Oh, okay, okay. This was, we'll in, this was in Port Wainimi. Oh, okay. Oxnard. I had, I, had, I had the one I lived in in Oxnard and the rental one in Port Wainimi. Okay. And uh, anyway, I changed careers. Um, hotels and restaurants, nights and weekends were killing me. They destroyed my first marriage. Um, and then I went into the car business and learned about sales and learned I was good at sales and spent about six and a half, seven years doing that, moved up very quickly, uh, got into the finance office where you sell the loans to the bank and you also sell, you know, client stuff as well. And that's where I met my wife, her brother owned the dealership I was working at and she came to work there and uh, we got married and blended our families and the car business was also nights and weekends. Wasn't neither one of the careers I'd been working, went to college for a hotel restaurant, uh, worked in car, in the car business. None of it was working for families. So through a long story that I won't go into, got out of the car business from the retail side of it, but ended up, working for a large software supplier to the car business, worked there for 26 years and had a phenomenal time. I was a top producer there, 
16 years out of the 26 and the other years I did fairly well as in it as well earned all kinds of trips and accolades and about five years ago they bought a company that had overlapping job descriptions titles territories that sort of thing and they gave about 70 of us the opportunity of a golden parachute if we if if we wanted to go and we just happened to be the guys that were on the higher pay plans older and all that but it was a great it was a great opportunity it it made me uh it made it so i had about i had in my mind about five or six more years to go to retirement um but i had a choice and it was do we live this lifestyle because we could have lived a a, a decent lifestyle as it was. We'd done very well for ourselves. At that time, we had a my we I had inherited the property you guys were talking about in in Huntington Beach. My brother and I shared that property, and we manage it ourselves and maintain it ourselves. Um. So anyway, my choice was: what do I do? Do I retire and just live life okay, or is there more? And at, at the time, there was like, I absolutely have to do more. I'm refired, not retired. So at how, that time, how long I, ago was that? That was uh, five years ago. Okay. Yeah. So I spent about three years working a network marketing business. I still work that business a little bit, but it, I don't have the passion for it like I do for real estate. And I've always, like I said, back at 21, I had going, got going in real estate and, um, I started in, I started investigating real estate again. And in my mind, I had the mindset that I couldn't invest here in California. I didn't have enough money to, to buy more rentals. Cause I had my mind, the little box of, well, let me buy another house like I have done in Huntington beach. And well, no, I don't have half a million bucks to go set into a property and, and do what I need to do for that. And can it turn a profit? And no, it wouldn't turn the right profit. And all those, all the numbers and all the things you play with. And it took a while for me to figure it out that maybe there's another way. And that in the process of my building the network marketing business, I learned about meetup groups and being on meetup is where I found out about your group. And at your first meeting, you talked about bigger pockets. And yeah. I'd not heard a word about bigger pockets. Well, I jumped into bigger pockets and you within, jumped into that, like you dove in, you didn't just jump in. <laughs> yeah. I, I went to the deep end. <laughs> Deeper than the deep end. I was a, yeah. I went to, uh, all the way to buying the books, starting analyzing deals, got a pro membership right away. It was, so my practice of learning was I did five to 10 deals off of their marketplace. I researched and I figured, okay, what's the best thing I can start with? Instead of just looking at the whole country and five different strategies, what strategy would make sense with what I wanna do? And David Green's Burr strategy made sense to me. And then his out of state strategy made sense because I figured I couldn't do it here well. So I started doing research and I'm really good at research. And uh, I went and found demographics and came up with five or six different cities that seemed to look like they met the criteria that everyone, all the experts say are the right criteria. 
And I started picking up the phone. I'm a sales guy. I used, I used the phone all the time. So I picked up the phone and I started looking for David's core four. You know, the, I, I, I want to like go through all of this. I want to kind of take everything and, and the questions that I sent you kind of split all of this up. Yeah. So what, I, what I'd like to do is let's, let's rewind a little yeah. bit and, and uh, I'll ask you the, que- I'll ask some questions, sure, but, what I also, but I also wanted to add, and I didn't say this during the intro. If anybody does have questions, you can open up the toolbar of, of, zoom on the bottom there's a little chat button and then you can hit the chat and then to everyone is i would see it or if you have something personal to say to either me or josh or even kevin you can switch the person that you're talking to so if anybody has any questions that they'd like answered uh we we tend to do that at the end so the whole the cool the cool thing about this different interview style all right so you, you talked about almost everything um, but now, now, now is where we're gonna where we're going to get into the details. We're gonna peel back the layers of Kevin Miller. That, <laughs> yeah. That's that's what we're doing here. Where have I heard that before? Um, let's go. Let's let's jump to the beginning. How and why, or 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 why did you choose hotels? Um, so I was in hotel uh, hotel restaurant. I, I was very good. One of my my parents were both very good cooks. Okay. As are you, yeah. <laughs> and, and we know that. My dad took. That's true. My dad was took cooking classes for all forms. My mother was a great entertainer and was a great cook, and both my grandparents were great, and it became a hobby of mine as well. But I realized early on that it was better to manage chefs than it was to be one. Okay. I I again real good at research. My dad taught me. Okay, you like this. This was in elementary school. My dad had me start searching what I liked. He said, what interested me? Where where do I want to go to school? And then by the time I got to ninth grade, I'd identified, all right, I want to go to hotel restaurant management school. And that's what I want to do. So in in ninth grade, we went and interviewed the dean at the school at Cal Poly Pomona of hotel restaurant management. God, in ninth grade, I think I was trying to get through algebra and trying to get Nicole go out with me so that's yeah. we got a little bit of difference there i was collecting pokemon cards yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> well, i was doing those things too it was just <laughs> my dad was one of those guys that said hey you got to plan your life out right so that's awesome that's smart that, man that's very smart man good head on his shoulders and clearly passed that on to so you so i got into cal poly and the requirement there is that you work in the industry and while i was living in the dorms and going to school out there in pomona i also was the assistant manager of a restaurant for a year and that really wasn't what it was. That was a title. I was uh, chief cook and bottle washer is what I was. <laughs> and I, it was a horrible job. But we anyway, all got to start somewhere. Yeah, you, you do. And then I went to work for Hilton Hotels. And that's where I spent about nine years, 10 years working oh, wow. for Hilton. Okay. So I was on the opening team of the LAX Hilton. I was one of the first six people employed there. I ran, I was the assistant, executive assistant of the rooms division. And when I started, the day I started, we had one room and a year later we had 1400 rooms and they were all sold out for the Olympics. Wow. Wow. That's awesome. That was a really wonderful opportunity. So that's where I love to hotel. I still love the hotel restaurant business. I ran some restaurants. I've, you know, obviously I ran hotels for 10 years. I love that. It's just, it's not a, a, a good environment for families. 
for me. Okay, that's interesting. Um, yeah, you have mentioned before about uh, wanting to buy, you know, a smaller hotel and, and manage it. So yeah, I guess you still have that passion in it. Yeah, asset um, management of that kind. I mean, and right now, you know, speaking in real estate, think of all the hotels that are going under because of the lockdown. And yeah. what could they be converted into? Yeah, or get them at a cheaper price. Exactly. Probably a good opportunity. Um, you talked about how you bought your first condo when you were 21. Yep. Um, With $6,000. <laughs> don't don't oh, tell us the, the price. Times. Okay. Oh, it was, it the was good old times. It was 60000 but it only took 6000 10% down. Don't, don't tell us the price. You know that hurts. That, yeah. that hurts deep inside. Um, just, I just put 40 something. On the water, overlooking the beach. This was, was the Port Wainimi one, right? Yeah. Yeah. Two bedrooms, two story, about 1,100 square feet. How long were you? How so long did it? you rent? Rent? Uh, you know, how long did you rent that for before you let it go? Uh, well, I I ended up going through a divorce a year and a half later. So. Oh okay. Oh that at that age that young. Yeah. Oh okay. Let's see. Um, yeah, I, I mean, very you, early and finished that one early. Too. <laughs> You, yeah, you and Here's... <laughs> yeah, you that. I was did under... you did you keep the poor Wayne you wanted? Did you rent that one out or did you just wind up selling that one? Uh it's no, it's a bad story. I gave them both yeah. away to, yeah. uh, to, to avoid uh you, gotcha. you you went yeah, like you, you were going on about the, the software sales and stuff, and I kind of want to go back to that because one of the, the the topics about today is you know how has your skills in, in that industry healthy with real estate. So we're going to get some pretty good juicy info from, from So on that specifically, I was a territory rep. I sold hard computer hardware and software to car dealerships, new car dealerships. This was as a software salesman, but hardware and software, hardware and software. But before right. that you were in the actual dealership yeah, you, for seven years. Yep. And you were you like card, uh, you were selling cars or, or was it? I, I did that for about two years crazy. and the rest of the time I was in the F&I office. Which is the what, finance. What's F&I? Finance office. Finance and insurance. Financial. That's where you, you know, that's where they go to do all the paperwork. And then that guy also sells your deal to the bank. Is that like the, the equivalent of an underwriter in the mortgage? Just like, yeah, it's just like the mortgage industry. Yep. Just like a broker. Cool. I brokered the deal. Cool. Um, yeah, it taught me a whole lot, a whole lot about the business. Uh, we're going to get into that. Um, so what made you, and I know you, well, we answered that question. It was going to be, what made you get focused into real estate? But you said after, you, you know, you retired early, one of Josh's, you know, fire principles, uh, you decided to not retire. You, you decided to get, you know, Re rehire or refired. Re you well, got like re that. This may sound this may sound a little optimistic for some, but you know, I'm I believe that we can live a lot longer than we should be. Sure. Yeah. I, you know? I, so I at that. sixty, I'm halfway. You're only sixty. Yeah. You're only sixty. The Bible says 120 years, right? Yeah. And there are a lot of folks that get up into the nineties and hundreds and all that. So hey, at sixty if I have finances, time, and wisdom, man, what could I accomplish in the next 30 years? You, you don't have the, you know, eight to 10 hours a day of 
commuting to work, putting eight hours into a job that you, you could, you, you could love, but it's still not, you know, it's not going to get you to where you want to be. So working I mean, for somebody else instead of working for yourself, you know, exactly. Right. So I created a vision for myself in the real estate business. And it may sound a little familiar to you two guys, cause you've heard a version of it, but my, my vision is that my real estate investments are wildly profitable, socially positive, and they bring me joy. What do you mean by socially positive? That the communities I'm involved with, I'm not a slumlord. I'm actually bringing value to the communities that they're, I'm, that the properties, the assets that I have are, are there for this, that my tenants are, I actually serve them. They don't serve me. Yeah. You, you, you care. You're not a slumlord. Exactly. Right. Yeah. I want, I want the community be, to be better for me being involved with it. That's great. That's, awesome. that's, that's really admirable. I like that a lot. Yeah. So when I looked at real estate, I wanted to find a way to bring that because that was something I could get passionate about. Okay. And that's, that's, nice. that's where then you talked about working, you know, your eight, 10, 12 hours. When I got involved in real estate, that's not quite 10 hours, but I would easily do, you know, six to eight hours of research a day. I'd yeah. make, you know, hundreds of phone calls. All right. Until I found out what I needed. So I, I took that list of six or seven cities and dialed it down to two that I felt I could do business in. There's, there's, I'm going to get this one. I'm, I'm jumping. There's an important thing that you said that um, you just, we glossed over that I think is really, really cool that you did is you did hundreds of phone calls. That's not something that you hear very often unless you get that mindset and you have to be able to focus your mindset to get to the point where you're able to just make those hundreds of phone calls. I have, I'm struggling here trying to find a dentist, you know, like I made three phone calls. I'm like, oh my <laughs> God, that's enough. Like, can I just email them or can I text them? Like, you know, it's just, just, just generations, I guess. Um, but it's like the fact that you were able to do hundreds of phone calls, granted it's your background is in sales. So you have kind of the, the born and bred and raised that way to, to do the calls. But I'm just, every time I hear, cause I've heard that before, it's just like, I try to think, I'm like, damn, like, could I do a hundred phone calls today? Probably not. You know, and I was in the But you don't go into job. it thinking I'm going to make a hundred calls today. You go into you're, it. Yeah. You're, see, looking, there you go. Mindset. Love it. Yeah. Love it. You got the right mindset. You know, you're, you're not thinking about somebody 100. who's going to light up with excitement and, and talk about things and share information with me that is going to make me feel like I can trust them to be a business partner. Yeah, a vendor, absolutely. A, a vendor. Because frankly, you know, when we're, t when we're talking about investing your money in a different state, you know, you could easily get anxious and turned off by all the stories and what, what is possible. Property manager takes your money, doesn't do this. Contractors, you know, don't do any work and, you know, all the, all the stories you could hear. Yeah, well, I, didn't want to, I, I wanted to try to avoid that. I built my sales career on relationships and I wanted to build this business on the same thing. So how do you get to know people? You talk to them on the phone. And if it takes a hundred phone calls, that's what it takes. And then I went out there. You so sure that did. was, I met you guys in what, June? June. Yeah. We're actually uh, 11 months almost to the day, I think, to, since yeah. we met. Yeah. So in June, I started the process with the bigger pockets and the 
research and the calling. And by October, I was ready to go out there. And I did. Went out there, went to Detroit and went to Cleveland. And in the first visit that I went there, I saw 15 people in two and a half days in Detroit that I thought were potential vendors that I'd set, you know, that I had identified through all those phone calls that they've got the reviews, they're on Angie's list and Yelp and all that. And they came across real well over the phone. They hit the criteria. And it turned out of those 15 people, only three of them stuck that I thought. So, so, what, so you found these people on, like you just said, Angie's list or Yelp or, or Google searching. You would just put their number inside of a, an Excel sheet and then start calling one by one? No. So I found people through multiple different sources. And the reason it became hundreds of phone calls, and I'll give you an example. I found my now property manager guy. I found him through a bigger pockets blog and then a, a chain. And then there was a person that put down on that, that they had just bought their first property in Detroit. And so I connected and said, Hey, congratulations. If you're open to talk about that, I'd like to get some, you know, run some things by that with you. And that person, her name was Chen. She was so open and so exciting. She gave me three different people to speak to. Two of them are now real close. I've seen them both times I've been out there. And, you know, one's an investor just like I am. And the other is now my property manager guy. That's awesome. Yeah. And it came out of this person I talked to and I went to that person, you know, it's that the 15th touch, you find someone that's really, really good. Yeah. And multiple phone calls and, and, and all of that. You just got to find out how many degrees can you see Kevin Bacon from, yeah. from that relationship? <laughs> well, it's also, you know, you back up, you back up all the research with you go out there and there's nothing that passes sitting down at a table and talking. Right, right. Having a cup of coffee. It's great. Um, how, how did your, like, what skills would you say were most, uh, your, your, like, your core skills, would you say helped you the most that you learned from, like, your uh, software sales or your, you know, auto sales position that have helped you in real estate? Persistence, but persistence with a, a twist. So I learned early on the sales I was involved in was long-term sales. So it would take me anywhere from six months to two years of calling on a customer to secure a deal. Jeez. But it typically was then a signed five-year deal. Yeah. And it was very, you know, it was, you know, the deals were upwards of, you know, $3 million, $10 million is what, what you sold. Some of them were a lot less, but you know, these the are the software, the software stuff. Yeah. Cause they, yeah. they, they sign up for the agreement to do all their business through you. And then you manage that account, but it takes a while to get there. So I learned, you, know, you have to visit these dealerships two times a month, three times a month. And if they get into a sales cycle, you're there every week. Well, you're not making a sale. Yeah. Every, every time you visit. So how do you reward yourself? So I learned to be persistent, but I, I set myself a mental win for every contact that I had, whether it was a phone call or a visit, that I would have somebody say something, give me something, open up to something, receive something. And that to me was as good and as powerful as a sale. That's so that same thing I translated to this pursuit of 
a team in real estate in Detroit and Cleveland. So my phone calls were based on if I could find somebody that is going to, first of all, believe it or not, it's return their call. You know, I believe it. <laughs> yeah. Or return an email, something like that. And then someone that is positive and not negative about what's going on. You wouldn't believe how many people are like, you want to invest here now? Why do you want to do that? You know, these are property managers. And it's like, okay, thank you. <laughs> and that that's not even city specific. I've also tried, you know, my own and it's like, why would you, or, or what made you think about this? Oh, it's way too, it's, and it's like, oh, come on. Or, or like you said, they don't, they don't answer the phone. They don't return your call. Oh, absolutely. This is great. Shoot me an email and I'll get you all this information. Crickets. Yeah. Yeah. So instead of letting that get me angry, frustrated or whatever, I was able to turn that into, okay, today I'm going to make whatever number of calls I need to get this kind of response in this category. And I had the categories down, you know, real estate agent, wholesaler, property manager, contractor, insurance. The hard one was, you know, lenders and then, you know, title people, inspectors and all that stuff, attorneys. How, um, so I want to, I want to kind of, um, make it easy even for me. So are you taking all this information and you're putting it in an Excel sheet? Yeah. You put, okay. And like a notes column or you're just typing last contact. And then this is what we spoke about until it of course flourishes into a relationship. I didn't get that granular. I kept, I actually didn't do a spreadsheet. I just used a piece. I still keep a little notepad. Pen and paper. Yeah. Imagine a, you know, a a legal pad. And then I just, keep it going. And then I had one for Detroit and I had one for Cleveland. Okay. And I just kept on narrowing down and narrowing down and narrowing down until I was ready to do a visit. I was always working towards the visit. And then on the visit, I started talking about investing and saw where they were. So, yeah, I, I tell people that it takes approximately six months to a year from somebody who kind of has, I mean, you already had that drive. You, you already had that knowledge of, of real estate on the back of your mind. Uh, like you said, you had an inherited that property. I tell people that it takes a good six months to a year of like almost college level, nonstop listening to podcasts, reading, you know, books, um, watching YouTube to, to fully understand what you're even trying to accomplish yeah, for a while, I really didn't know. Yeah, I, I would argue that it could be even longer than a year. I mean, I've I've yeah. been in this for you know just over a year, and I'm still learning stuff. You know, like today no, yeah, alone, I talked to people. I was like, oh, I didn't know. Yeah, that. you're I always know. learning. I, like I know a lot. Yeah, but well, I'll tell you, you know, Victor, learning. one of the questions you sent me, my the question was, what would you tell your past self? Let's we'll get to that at the end. <laughs> but, I'll, but I'll answer it right here. I tell myself okay. to take action quicker. Okay. Into October was too long. I could have really, if I, if I, if I'd done what I know now, I could have by October had already purchased a property. Pull the trigger. And it was the visit in October, by the way, that led to me buying a property and it actually closed escrow in December. Right. But if I, if I had really followed with what I was doing, I believe I could have had the property by September, October. 
Now, this is coming from somebody who, who, like I said, who already knew real estate, who already understood real estate. You know, you got started at the age of 13, um, you know, making money. Somebody who, um, you know, their entire life, it's been working for the man or, or in, in any case, but it just has no, had never, under, not, not didn't understand, but like had nowhere to start. To, to I, I hadn't been a potential. business owner. I'd, I'd worked for, with business owners, but I'd never actually been the entrepreneur. And that was a challenge. It was who, who you know, here I am going to invest my money, hard earned money in there. You know, I don't have a ton of it and it's yeah. going to be out of state. And what am I going to do? And what's the worst thing that could happen? Right. Persistence. So, so I was, that was in the back of my mind as I'm making these calls and developing the relationships. And is this the kind of guy I can, so if that's the kind of guy that's going to be that vendor, what kind of systems do I have to have in place to make sure it's being done? Well, one of those systems was I had to have other partners in the area that were looking over at what these guys are doing. So my realtor can watch what the pro property manager is doing. My inspector, all of them are, are not related. They're se separate businesses. He can go take pictures and see what's going on in the places that are going on because I can't. Does and David those are the kind of things that, what, what's that? Does David Green mention that in his book to have them cross-reference each other? I don't think I remember reading that. No, it was my own, it's in my own mind. You should quote that and write that in a book somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be in Kevin Miller's book. How to really invest in that. How to really invest in out-of-state long-distance investing. Hundreds of phone calls, but don't plan on doing hundreds of phone calls, but you'll get to hundred phone calls. Yeah, you'll just get He's there. Right. You, know, you, don't, you don't plan on it. You, you just, just pick up the phone and call. Well, and you just... guys have listened to Andrew Cushman's story on Bigger Pockets, right? The, sure. He's yep. a syndicator, multi. Yeah. You know, he's got 1,800 units under his belt. His, his jump into real estate was he was going into the foreclosures market and buying and flipping them. He made 1,400, he, he now here's a guy who does spreadsheets and keeps numbers of exactly what he's done. He's <laughs> yeah. got the spreadsheet. He did over 1,400 phone calls with a no before he actually got the first yes. 1,400 That's persistence. Calls. That is persistence. He got told no. What, and he says, admittedly, it's because he had to learn how to talk to people. Well, guess what? I'd spent the last 30 years talking to people. So, so that's a so so that's a great skill that you've you've clearly developed um, is is picking up the phone and making phone calls. Is there any advice you'd give to somebody who's very hesitant about picking up the phone? And I know just do it is what you always hear. And if that's what you have to say, I totally get it. But like even for myself, I I'm very hesitant of just picking up the phone because even before the call, I have. 47 things lined up that I'm going to talk about, which as we all know, never goes as planned. You never talk about any of the things that you think you're going to talk about unless you have it written down. So I is think there... this is a message to like the millennials and the Gen Z's because as a millennial slash Gen <laughs> X kind of thing, we don't do phone call. We, phone? we do yeah. email, we do text message, we do zoom, you know, where we can actually like look, look ish face to face. So you know, like an actual talking on the phone. Like I like to talk, I like to ramble, but I hate talking on the phone. Like I'm not a phone guy. I like to see the person I'm talking to. So I, like I have gotten to a point where like, whether it was a business card or, or it's like a Yelp thing where I'm about to text them. And I think there's like an icon for like connect with us. And I'm thinking I'm going to push it and it's going to be like an email, but it, 
automatically enters the phone number. I, I remember this happening to me one time. And like, I'll, I'll immediately hang up. Like, I don't want to talk <laughs> to you. That's not what I wanted. It's so, the so first funny, thing, though. I'll tell you the first thing is, it's not about you. The first thing you got to do, and, you know, I'm not, I'm not generalizing here, but it, the older you get, the less things are all about you. The younger I was, and I'll say that, you know, most millennials, especially even younger, you tend to see things only from your perspective. Sure. Yeah. So the first thing I do when I'm getting onto a call is I'm trying to put myself in the position of the person I'm calling to. While I'm looking for information, this is another thing I learned in sales. You don't get, so when you're doing sales, you don't, Here we just, go. You don't just ask a person for the sale, right? You don't start off by doing that. You have to give information. You have to give a little bit more here. You have to give, it's called, and there's a term for it. It's called pace, pace, lead. But you, you imagine if I'm going to get a dollar back, I have to invest something to get the dollar back. So I'm going to give a little information. I'm going to add something here, add something there. So when I go into a conversation, I'm looking to sign, find out from that person's perspective I don't want to rip their day. I don't want to waste their time. I don't want to bring, and I want to bring something of value to them too. Because if they become a business partner, I take that term seriously, a partner. It's not yeah. good for me if I'm the winner only in, the, in this business transaction. They have to make money and it has to be efficient for them too and enjoyable at the same time as I make money and it's efficient and enjoyable for me. That's a win-win. So I start that relationship that way in the phone call. And I get, I get out of what is it about me? What is it about going here? I don't like it's. Hey, look, I'm looking for information. So I'm going to find out what's the weather like out there. What's going on here. I do a little bit of small talk if they're open to it. I learned, you know, I'm, I'm a foodie. And when I went out there, I haven't had a bad meal yet in Detroit <laughs> because what's the one thing all those people like to talk about? Hey, we got some great food out here and yeah. they'll talk, where do I go here? What do I do there? I'm coming out. This is that what's going on here. And then as you're doing research, you're learning more and more about stuff. So you're asking questions that are relevant to what's going on there that may not be specifically in the area they deal with. So I may talk to a contractor about what rents, are like or what the tenant base is like in certain neighborhoods. That's not his expertise, but guess what? He's in those neighborhoods every day. And I'd like to redrive that point in, um, you know, our podcast is to teach people about real estate. Um, and an important thing that I think people can take away from, from this episode is uh, real estate. Yes. It's about buying property, selling properties, the numbers, but it's also a people business. That's a relationship exactly. building business. And, you know, when I first got into the scene, I didn't really think that way. I thought, Oh, you know, I can kind of sit behind the scenes and just, you know, money go, money come, money, blah, blah, blah. But then I started reading, you know, you actually go to a local meetup group, which is how I met you guys. Um, and, you know, I started reading more books and a lot more podcasts and a lot more Stuff and I'm learning more and more that, hey, it's a people business as well. And, you know, you're talking about, you know, talking to people on the phone, even though our generation hates talking on the phone, it is the 
best way to develop a relationship and build rapport with somebody is to talk to them on the phone. The best is sitting with them face to face, person to person. You can pick up on body language and cues, but talking to them on the phone is a close second, you know, as opposed to just emailing back and forth. You really don't build the rapport that way. So I think a good point for the people who are learning to get into real estate is you're going to have to work on your people skills. It's just an important part of the deal. And you can do it in, and you can do it in the meetup. Yeah, exactly. And that's, that's a really good like point to start with is if you can find your local RIA meetup and just, just go and you don't have to really talk to me the first time you're there, but just go there, just get out, make it there. And people will approach you and talk to you. And if you have no experience in real estate, those are the best places to go get some experience. Well, I would challenge you to yes, go and talk to people. I mean, well, sure. Yeah. I, know, second not... visit, I went in February to Detroit again and attended a meetup out there with over a hundred people there. And I think I have 40 cards. Let yeah. me, uh, from those hundred people, uh, Josh, what's, what's a great meetup that they can go to if they're in Southern California, once all this COVID <laughs> stuff is done. <laughs> let me, let me look up the long title. Uh, it's the, it's the, what is it? The Valley startup REI. I don't Where'd remember. Oh, my camera kill. Hold on. I'm coming back. It's the <laughs> Valley startup REI. Um, Meetup. <laughs> we'll put it find us else. on meetup.com you can you can look me up but it's the, the longest title if you're in the san fernando valley uh once we are released back in the wild we uh, meet down in sherman oaks and we're there every other wednesday at this time this is our normal meetup time uh you can come you can meet victor you can meet kevin you can even meet me um so we'd love to have you guys come out when uh lockdown opens yep. up and we can you know be friendly bring your cards and and Josh, what's a, what's a good book that people can start reading that's going to help them uh, develop relationships with other people? So there's a lot. What's a, um, what's a good starter book? Like it's an old book, but it's a good one. Is it the one you don't like? Is this called Lee? No. <laughs> <laughs> it's, Dude, it, I can give you like 10 books. You're, well, I, just I, name I, one off the top of your head. Think and Grow Rich. How to Win Friends and Influence People. That's the one I was... That's the one? About. Okay. Well, it's, it's about, it's about, I haven't read it personally. It's about relationships and it's about relationships. It's a building. phenomenal book, by the there way. There you go, Stephen. Good call. Um, all right. Let's, uh, that was an awesome segue. Let's go back to, um, I mean, we've talked about so much. I'd like to touch more on just out of state investings. I think that's part of also why this episode's kind of focused on is out of state stuff. Um, so you, you mentioned David Green and he has a book. Um, I actually, I'll share my screen real quick for the people on video. You can actually see, um, is it this one here? Yeah. So this is the David Green book. Uh, it's, it's a long title. It's long distance real estate investing out of state rental properties or whatever it is long. But um, this is the David Green book. Uh, highly recommend it. Uh, I've read it. Uh, I know Kevin has read it. And I think you read it too, right, Victor? I've yeah. read it multiple times. Yeah. So, so what I, you're saying is I still have room to expand my meetup name. And I can go How many characters are allowed? Um, but so I know a, a principle in that book, and you also kind of mentioned it as well. You kind of want to get your core four. Um, so can you kind of... What are the core four and kind of how did you figure out how you got your, your, your team assembled out in Detroit? So you, the core four is actually the real estate agent, the property manager, the contractor, and the lender. 
but there are many more than the core four that you need to have. Sure. Those are the first ones identified. And I also realized after doing a lot of the calls that one agent isn't necessarily going to meet our needs. And so I had looked at wholesalers as well as having an agent that I could trust. And the agents turned out to be the one that I found through Chen too, by the way, the, this agent has turned out to be one of the best partners I could have ever thought of being with. Cool. That's amazing. Uh, then I, I got probably four, well, maybe five wholesalers. I also, I'm not just on their email list. I actually have conversations with them. Well, not during COVID much, but previous to COVID, I would talk to them at least twice a month. What, what, uh, what makes this agent so highly, you know, uh, memorable? So he's, he's, by visiting and, and getting learning, I found his energy level. I saw properties he was, he was doing himself. He invests the same way I do. Okay. Which was a big thing. I was looking for people who were doing the same thing that are, they are Burr investing in their own town. He's been there for years. The other nice thing that was actually a criteria that on my list of a go or no go is that he doesn't send me garbage leads. Okay. If he sends me a lead, it's within a very specific criteria that I identify. You identified. So yes. in the beginning, was he sent, he was probably sending you everything or was this kind of yes. yeah, he was. agent that's going to be, this is what I want. So here's another really good point for anyone starting it on their own. I thought I had to have the strategy, the exact criteria, you know, the neighborhood. I had to have all this stuff nailed before I did anything. The reverse is true. By me doing in investing or by me doing the conversations with potential members, I learned what's working in that specific area best, what neighborhoods are there by having good conversations and frankly, by doing five to 10 analysis a day off of the marketplace, off of Redfin, off of you know Zillow, off of other things, what the wholesalers send out, <clears throat> by doing all that, I was able to take what I thought I could do and refine it down to a very narrow, specific, I think I'm now down to what, five, six neighborhoods only in all of Detroit. Instead of all of Detroit, it's actually just down to a few neighborhoods with a very specific identified criteria. But that came from having the conversations and seeing what's happening and visiting properties and doing, gosh, how many analyses have I done? If I've done, just call it five a day for 10 months. Yeah. For thousands. Yeah. We'll just go with thousands. Yeah. It, it, it helps. It helped. So when, when we go back to what, would a per, what should a person do, I don't agree that it's six months to a year. I think you can get there in a couple months by taking that approach. Do the analyses, have the conversations, go do a visit, and you'll find what, you're, what lights you up and what, what strategy fits your, your plan, your criteria. And I want to add, if you're not going to invest out of state and if, if you, know, you have a local market or even if you're, you don't, you just want to get involved. Meetups are great, but you know, go to these open houses, go to every weekend, go to an open house, go driving for dollars. Just, just drive by neighborhoods exactly. and see. You don't have to go somewhere else. 
yeah, you don't have to go far, um, but it'll uh, it'll accelerate that process of analysis, uh, or or it'll accelerate the. You won't be stuck in analysis paralysis as much. You know, you're, you're constantly thinking, well, what should I do? What's a great strategy here? You'll hear 20 different strategies, if not more. That's probably just the ones that I couldn't barely scratch off the top of my head. That... So the caveat I would add is doing all that, but not getting on to 15 different strategies. Right. With, I always stuck with buy and hold. I never, I didn't go over to flip. I didn't go over. In fact, within buy and hold, I forced myself to stick to duplexes to quads, somewhere between two and four units. I didn't want to do single families. They weren't profitable enough for what I was looking for. You didn't do shiny object syndrome. Yeah. So I kept it in a really Mm -hmm. narrow window. Does that mean I'm never going to do a flip? Uh, Probably not. I'm probably looking to do flips right now to get, to get income, to do more buying holds, but it's not my main strategy. And it's not where I spend most of the time. And my, my goal is to move towards the garden apartments, the 30 to 50 unit garden apartments that are all over the area of Detroit and Michigan and actually everywhere. Yes. uh, Southern Michigan, they're all over. And that's the market I want to get to, but I want to get good at have my people pressure tested, if you will, Mm -hmm. the agents I'm working with, the property managers, the contractors, the title people, I want to get it systematized to the point where it's just so, what did my vision say? It's, it brings me joy. It's not a headache. It's not a nightmare. It's a fun business to run. And it's wildly profitable. Well, that's, yeah, that's the goal. Well, it, as, as fun as it is, as you know, um, yeah, I'm sure there's going to be great milestones in the business. A great question came in and I want to go back to how enjoyable will it be when, you know, issues happen, right? So yeah. the question was, since you started your spur strategy project in Detroit, are there any adjustments that you've had to make to your original Burr plan after your rehab started? Yes. And they're any positive. Su- so any surprises? Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the bottom line was, uh, it, it was a duplex that was pretty large and had an an undeveloped basement but on closer inspection when we were out there in in February uh, it was revealed that it has its own entry and exits in the basement yeah in the basement and plenty of room to develop not a studio but a full one bedroom actually there's enough room to do a two bedroom it's just it's there aren't enough windows and the windows are too costly to put in. So it'll be a large one bedroom. But the bottom line is it sent the contractor back to the city to get the approval. And he got approval very quickly that we have the parking and the uh, zoning necessary to make that into a triplex. So That's we awesome. just increased cool. our, increased the rent potential there by 650 to $750 a month. And the, and the investment to get there will be less than 10 grand. How, um, I think we're going to have another episode with you, Kevin, and probably just talk about deals. It'll be like a short, quicker, you know, like a 20 to 30 minutes. We'll just, we'll, I'm going to dig on his negotiation tactic because I know this guy's got some negotiation skills. Yeah, we'll, we'll do the negotiation of how that all happened. And then um, we'll also talk about a deal. We'll, we'll have it in writing because when we did it at the meetup, we had like, what, 
17, 18 people show up. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was pretty fantastic when we talked about a deal. Um, how has how has COVID uh, impacted your project? So the wonderful governor of Michigan uh, decided that it was essential that contractors can go into a home where there are people living there and that was safe, but a contractor could not go into an empty home, which my property is empty. That makes sense. <laughs> so no, re- my rehab had to stop. So I couldn't, it's been... couldn't get a rib. And the other issue was the lender, you know, all lenders stopped in the first part of March lending on investment loans. Yeah. So the, the buy and the rehab loan, while we while I was approved and everything was set up and done, was ready to fund, the week it was ready to fund, they stopped all funding. So I'm going to have to self-fund the, uh, the rehab. Okay. So good news, though, is that the rehab should be able to start. They are, I'm being told as of today, should be able to start in the next week at the most two weeks. Great. That's good news. Right, how many how many units do you have, Kevin? That's another question. So this will be my that'll that'll make four, four units. So, yeah. So I have one in Huntington Beach and now three in Detroit. I'm awesome. just beginning. Yeah, I mean that's what this is about. We get yeah. as we all are. Or most of us are. Yeah, yeah. And you know we'll get people on the show that are not investors. That's kind of the whole purpose of this. Is it's going to be bringing on people that have extensive real estate knowledge, but also have contractors, you know, framers, electricians, plumbers, every aspect of real estate, real estate law, real estate, whatever the case may be, and investors. So we can kind of learn from so many different, you know, angles. Yeah. And that's frankly the area I have no experience or expertise in it. And that's the contracting, you know, rehab side of it. And that's, that's the area that's scared me the most. And if I, if there's a single reason that slowed me down. That was it. Okay. Um, what have you done to uh, to fight that? Just simply finding a good property manager that's that has good contractor contacts. Um, well, it goes back to you know what what that information that was not in the David Green book um, <laughs> is. You have multiple people that you can trust together that are not associated. So. There are two inspectors in Detroit that are not associated with the contractors. And there's a realtor actually, and another, there's two realtors that I can work with that can go and check on what's going on and and be my eyes while on the ground for little to no money just by doing it. Cool. Um, Yeah, very important. You know, you can have, you can have multiple core fours. You can have a core eight course you know 12 16 whatever but core four just sounds cooler i think that's why they want to it four. rhymes you know core 40 core, four, core 44 okay i'm gonna have 11 different core teams out there <laughs> go for um, it i know this answer but do you plan to change anything uh in your budget kevin what like higher percentages set for vacancy yeah. or capex yeah. so that's part of what i was saying is I, I you don't need to have the actual strategy mapped out in advance you can have a, you know, your gut feel for it. You can take what, you know, Brandon Turner puts out in his podcasts and his trainings and all that. And then you get actually on the ground and you learn about the area there. And 
I actually learned a lot of it from that meetup group that I went to with over the hundred people there, just talking to some people around me and having some conversations. And then the agent that I'm working with, and he does the same kind of investing himself, as well as a property manager I'm working with, he does the same kind of investing that I do too. They have the ways they run their budgets and I took their advice and changed my budgets. So originally I was looking at, you know, certain percentages for repairs, maintenance, property management. And before the eight percent. Yeah, and I, I readjusted that. So it's, uh, I'm much more conservative now than I was. And I thought I was being conservative anyway. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. you know, it's in my view, it's better to go into a deal. And let's say, you, you know, for me, in a duplex, uh, it's got to be $400 a month cash flow or it doesn't make sense. And that $400 is after all the contingency accounts. Well, if my contingency accounts are totally, you know, Hopeville instead of Realityville, then it's not going to be a $400 a month. You know, I have one thing happen, like I just had my water heater replaced today at my own house. That's, you know, a month, it was 1500 bucks. There goes you know, three, four months of profit. Yeah. And if you don't have that CapEx put in, then ouch. You're out. Yeah. So I'd rather be on the conservative side than, than the other. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, what... the percentages for vacancy and CapEx and all that, they Maybe did it's... get adjusted the more information I've gotten. Yeah, that's good. I mean, a book can tell you so much. It's like an, any any book, you know, business book, marketing book, real estate book finance book when you actually do it is where you're going to learn the most um you know knowledge well, um, what i learned by doing those analyses is for oh, yeah, instance, that's what i was going to say yeah in in cleveland in particular this is a better example than detroit although it did show up a couple of times in detroit some of the things you don't know unless you get down into that fine granular detail is you don't realize there's a different tax rate by the different zip codes you're in, in some cities. Okay. And in Cleveland, it can be the difference between $200 a month or two grand a month. On a $60,000 property in Cleveland, you can pay as much as $8,000 a year in taxes. Jeez. If you're in the wrong zip code. If you're in the wrong neighborhood. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, I learned some of that from the very first meetup I went to, your very first meetup. You had a guy there that had bought a place in Cleveland, and he had not thought that he was – he thought he was going to be able to pass the water bill on to his tenants. Oh, yeah, I remember, remember that. that. I remember that. Well, I also learned about that. Cleveland has this nice little deal. They pass on any of their bond issues to the landlord. It's illegal – for a landlord in a multi-unit, which is two units or more, it's illegal for the landlord to pass the water bill onto the tenant because the property bill, the, the ballot measures are put into that property tax bill. If I recall, I think he was more of a single family investor, so he probably could have passed that off. But in either case, that's interesting that you remember that. Yeah. Well, that taught me to start asking questions in Cleveland. Learning and, some interesting and things. What it means for me in Cleveland is there are certain zip codes I don't do business in. I don't even analyze because their water bills or their city, their, their property taxes are exorbitant. 
seven, $800 a month for a water bill for a duplex. Yeah, that's a make or a break deal. Yeah. And if you don't calculate that, then you're underwater, literally. All, all the way. So, no but I, you never, I would have never known that had I not done, you know, several hundred in those areas. Yeah. Uh, speaking of different zip codes, what's, what, what other cities are you interested in besides Detroit? Cleveland. If you, if you have any. Cleveland? Yeah. And I'm opening my mind up. I'm starting to think about a couple in the southeast, too. Okay. But I really what I, my, I want to get good at one area. So my Before moving my, forward. Yeah, my one to two year goal in Detroit is to have 20 doors and in Cleveland to have 10. Okay. My three to five year goal is to have 100 doors in Detroit, which means I've gotten to a couple of those garden apartments. Now, are you looking at a piece of paper as you're reading that? So you've written that goal down, huh? Oh, yeah, yeah. My goals are in front of me all the time. Yeah. And of course, those who, who are not going to be able to see this once we convert this into an audio for a podcast. Yeah, he, he was looking at his lower right as he was saying that. And I'm thinking, that's a man that knows what he's talking about. <laughs> so Regina's, the answer to Regina's question is a yes, they can increase. What's uh, the question? What's the question, Kevin? How do prop Regina asks, how do property taxes work in Cleveland or Detroit? Can they increase each year by as much as property appreciates, or is there some kind of limit as it exists in California? No, there are no limits like California. And in Detroit, there's actually this very difficult, odd calculation of three different arbitrary numbers that are put out by the county and the state and the city. And you, you, you're one of those numbers based is based on the sale price of the house. The other numbers are based on what it's real, you know, it's comp value is. And then there's some other number. I have no idea where it comes from, but the bottom line in both areas is your taxes don't change for two years. So if you buy a property, it's not next year, it changes it's the year after. So you can go into it thinking, Oh, my taxes were, $2,000 last year. Well, then two years later, they go to $5,000 if you don't, if you don't do your homework properly. And that's something that you learn to do. It's your realtor will not tell you this, but you, uh, you learn by asking the questions that I want to, I want to get a quote from the county as to what the taxes will be two years from now. I was going to ask who would you, who, your, your, who your title you company to? can tell you that. Okay. And your realtor, if they're worth any salt, they'll, they'll tell you that too. Cool. Ask questions, right? Yeah. You'll if you don't know. ask, you don't know. You definitely need to have another podcast with Kevin because uh, yeah, we've got absolutely. an hour and, and we're, <laughs> we're like scratching service on many topics. Um, so many topics. Well, the, so the takeaway from this is... Go for it. I was going to ask you what's all. Yeah. The takeaway <laughs> is, is you, there is analysis paralysis, but don't let these things stop you from moving forward you're, you're, you know, the key for me was to find people I can trust. And in finding people I was, I could trust, I learned these things. And this realtor and the title person that I've worked, I've been working with, they both won't let me do a deal unless I have my eyes open to this information. But that came good from point. me having a relationship with them. Yep. Pay attention to people. That was a really good point. If you need to, like Brandon, if you need to rewind on your, your thing, go back <laughs> go back two minutes to hear that again. Cause Hit the 30-second back. Yeah. 
Um, Kevin, what book are you reading right now? And if you're not reading a book, what book would you recommend? And it doesn't have to be real estate related. Miracle Mornings for Millionaires. It's a good book. Well, I read the real, not the millionaires one, but I read the original one and it is a good book. So I, was I, gonna, I highly agree. I was going to say Miracle Morning is now like a brand, right? Yeah. Hal Elrod has made it into, there's like five different versions. I chose the Miracle Mornings for Millionaires because the co-author of it happens to be one of the founders of the men's networking group I'm part of called Go Abundance. Okay. Which we'll go in on the next podcast because yeah. I want to talk about Go Abundance. Or maybe the third one. This is great <laughs> yeah. stuff. Um, uh, Josh, you never asked me what book I'm reading. I know what book you're reading. No, you don't. Actually, I, I picked up a completely different book and I have oh. not put it down. It was the Witcher series. Yeah, <laughs> no. <laughs> no. All right, Victor. <laughs> yes. What book you're reading? And if you're not reading I, a book, what would you recommend? Doesn't have to be real estate related. Uh, this is not real estate related. This is an incredible book that I have not had a chance to put down because even my 25 minute commute, which I usually just listen to music when it's that short, I don't, I turn it on. I can't wait to listen to this book. It's called The Obstacle is the Way. Um, and the author. Oh, that's a good title. It is. It, um, what a book. Every passage is a quote. The Obstacle is the Way by Ryan Holiday is the author. It's an audio book, hardcover oh, yeah. book, all, all, all the things. I forgot where I heard it. Oh, I think it was in like my audible suggestions. And I, I know Tim Ferriss recommended it at one point. And it's very stoic, but oh, wow. What a fantastic book. Well, only, Josh, I what book are you reading? <laughs> oh, hey, Josh, what book are you reading? So um, I normally don't do audiobooks, but I'm going to highly recommend that if you want to listen to one, uh, David Goggins' book, Can't Hurt Me. Uh, listen to the audio version because they kind of talk in between chapters with with David about his upbringing and stuff like that. And the dude's very loose with his language, but he is a very strong inspiration. So it's Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins. You can read the hard copy, but I recommend listening to the um, the audible version uh, because there's a lot of insight that he gives between chapters, which I think is great. It, it's like, is it read by the author? It's not. Well, he it's read by the, his, his, not ghostwriter, but the guy who wrote it for him. Um, but he, he like will stop and then he'll ask him a question. Like he's in the room oh. with him, which I believe he is. So uh, it's, a, it's phenomenal. It's, it's a, it's a good book and it's very engaging too. An interview while reading the book of <laughs> people coming up with some cool ideas. Yeah, and, and David Goggins is is quite quite the inspiration. I'm not gonna no spoilers, but it'll be my next book. It. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to be wrapping this up. Thank you, Kevin. I had one final question for you, sir. You you already mentioned it, but maybe it's something that's not real estate related. What are some goals for you for the next foreseeable future? Well, I mentioned the real estate goals. I also have a voiceover business. I'm I'm building. I'm still working on that getting better on my skills yeah. in my is uh, that your microphone in behind you that yeah you it's use? my little recording area yeah cool i, I like the soundproof walls yeah so i i'm my goal is to have that producing a good healthy six-figure income that's not hard to achieve from that little studio right there awesome soon 
And then um, you have the you know, voice for it. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah. I, other than that, I've got quite a few other goals. Mo most of them are health and family related, but business wise, you know, I shared with you the, the one to two year, the three to five, the main goal I have in that, that I'm focusing everything towards is that somewhere around year five, that I'm doing my first syndication as a general partner. Okay. And my goal is to do it in a hundred unit multifamily. Now that may happen sooner, it, you know, depending on what the economic situation's like and the learning curve. Mm -hmm. uh, I mentioned GoBundance. GoBundance has helped me understand that it's not as hard as I thought it was going to be to be a syndicator. And the skills that I've learned already are exactly the skills to develop towards that. So getting good at what I'm doing in Detroit, what I plan on doing in Cleveland, if I can hit the, you know, hundred units in Detroit, 20 units in Cleveland in the, in the next three to five years, syndicating above that will be no problem. Awesome. Awesome. Excellent. Thank you for sharing that. Excellent, Kevin. All right, everybody, let's wrap this up. This is again episode two of the Bigger Pockets podcast interview recording style episode. Our sponsor today uh, is our Instagram account. Uh, you can find us on Instagram. That was awesome. Startup REI. Uh, it is startup underscore REI. Um, you will only see me because Victor doesn't record on there, but uh, I. I haven't done it quite a lot lately, but picking it up again, um, I do kind of little segments of just what I'm thinking about or maybe a little real estate tips and tricks here and there. Um, so come follow that startup underscore REI. Uh, you can also find my personal one. I do kind of similar stuff, a little bit more personal things on that one. Um, but yeah, that's our sponsor, startup underscore REI on Instagram. Uh, we also have a Facebook but that one hasn't really moved much, but that's in the, the works as well. Who, who um, knew juggling so many things would be this difficult? Well, there's a book called The One Thing That, that Would... would <laughs> that, that, I, bought that, <laughs> I bought that book too. I'm going to be reading that next. Maybe it's... Uh, it's, it's uh, that's going to give me some pointers. We'll see. It's, it will. It, it, I stopped reading because I realized I'm breaking every single rule that he's giving you. So I felt <laughs> like I was being sacrilegious by, by continuing to read the book, even though it's, it's right and I'm wrong. That's, that's really what it boils down to. No, no, it's you're um, right and the book is wrong, Josh. Come on. No, definitely not. Uh, but anyways, thank you everybody for joining. Thank you guys for asking your questions. We appreciate all of you. Uh, we are a fledging little podcast still, but uh, hopefully we have great potential, great things in the future. And we love to see that you guys will come back for our next one. Um, so stay tuned. Yeah. Uh, we'll be on Meetup. We'll be on Bigger Pockets, uh, and we'll let you know what it's going to be. Um, Victor, or sorry, I will talk to you in a second. Kevin, if people wanted to reach out to you, uh, they can find you on Bigger Pockets. Is that correct? Bigger Pockets, Facebook, you know, Startup REI Meetup. You can message inside of there. And yeah, uh, his phone number is uh, 80. Just kidding. Yeah. We won't, we won't do that. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, so thanks, Josh. Thanks for that. Thanks for the shout outs to our sponsor. Um, everybody, stay safe, stay healthy. Have a wonderful uh, evening and we'll catch you on the next one. Bye, everybody.